0: Hi everyone and welcome back to How to Save the Planet. This is the last episode of 2019. We are heading into 2020, which feels like a year where we should have flying, like some sort of just weird technology about and just...
1: Everyone wearing those sort of Google glasses that they were on about.
0: Yeah, an ability to be like transported into another dimension or something.
1: But anyway,
0: um, I'm joined by two awesome guests today, uh, Fran and Jamie. Can we get a whoop whoop? Oh, really? Hi,
2: I'm
1: Fran.
2: (laughs) Hi, I'm Jamie. Whoop. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Thank you, Jamie. So, Fran, do you want to quickly tell
0: the people about yourself?
1: Uh, Yeah, so I'm the web and editorial manager, so it's my job to um, transform the genius of Munna and Jamie uh, and their speeches into words that you read on our website.
2: Uh, And I'm Jamie. I've been working on Friends This Fracking campaign the last five years and lucky enough to be uh, leading it the past year.
0: Thank you, Jamie. So speaking of fracking, I'm really glad that we're focusing this episode on fracking and ending the year with a high, uh, spotlighting the awesome work from our grassroots and our communities who are out there on the front line doing stellar, stellar work. So you might be wondering, let's, let's get back to basics what is fracking Um, and I'll be honest with you as a climate campaigner I struggle to find a definition that isn't complicated Um, so Jamie please feel free to step in at any point so fracking for me is I I guess you'd say an extreme and unconventional way of getting energy it's kind of drilling down um, trying to get the kind of gases in our gases trapped inside rocks it's with a mixture of sand and chemicals pumped in at at a very high speed and we know it's linked to all sorts of bad things. It's linked to the kind of the growing climate crisis. It could risk our uh, contaminating our waters and earthquakes. Now, does that all sound right to you, Jamie?
2: That's all spot on. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's a fairly new thing in the UK that's not taken off and isn't going to take off. Uh, but yeah, very extreme way to try and get oil or gas from the ground. Um, and you're right. There's many risks, which is why people have opposed that.
0: And just recently, and this is the win that we're going to be talking about and celebrating, our government, the UK government, announced a moratorium on fracking, which was excellent. Now, just can you explain to us exactly what a moratorium means and why we should be happy about it?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, to I mean, just a wee bit of context first. Um, the first time that fracking happened um, was about eight years ago in the UK. It caused earthquakes um, near Blackpool, a place called Priest Hall. Then the second time that fracking took place was last year um, from a company called Quadrilla. Uh, in Lancashire. That caused earthquakes again. There's going to be a theme a here, by surprise, the way. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> <laughs> um, they stopped for a while and then they started again in August this year and they caused even more earthquakes. Um, one of which went up to 2.9 on the Richter scale, which is way above the limit.
1: Is uh, that enough to feel it? Okay. Uh,
2: well, a lot of my, I've spent an awful lot of time in Lancashire and a lot of my friends there said that they felt it. Uh, the British Geological Survey said it was felt in Blackpool. Um, And that led to a suspension of fracking, actually. So it was stopped um, for a while. No fracking took place then. And for a few months after that, And in November, the very start of November, um, the government announced there'd be a moratorium on fracking. Mm -hmm. So what a moratorium is, is a a temporary ban on something. Um, But it's extremely good news. Um, Listen, friends, therefore, always push for a permanent ban on fracking. That's what we stand for. And we always oppose all fossil fuel extraction. But this is massive news. Um, And I really think, the people that I speak to really think the writing's on the wall for fracking. It's over and it will not come back.
1: So when was it that Friends of the Earth got involved in the whole fracking story?
2: I mean, this must be one of Friends of the Earth's longest ever running campaigns. It's for over eight years um, we've been campaigning on this. And it was a very good example of how Friends of the Earth operates, how we started. Our local groups in Lancashire and one of our local staff members um, started to hear about fracking. and know we all sort of know what it is now, but eight years ago, not many people knew what it was. So it really did come from the grassroots up. And then friends of the Earth started a national campaign on it. Um, so we got involved because there was a threat at various sites across the northwest of England, and that's grown into a campaign that's really shaped and defined friends of the Earth for the past eight years.
1: So it it sounds like the win had a lot to do with the communities that were fighting it, and you say it was in the northwest of England. Were those communities like in conversation with each other? Were they using the same tactics? Like how did it work on the ground?
2: Yeah, I mean. I've been lucky enough for four years at Friends of the Earth to be around the country trying to help communities and frack-free groups or Friends of the Earth groups. Um, so they have fought all over the country. In fact, all over the UK, um, fracking has been banned and or to some extent banned in Scotland, Northern Ireland and Wales. Um, but yeah, it's actually been communities, lots of them in the northwest, but right across, in Balcombe in the southeast, uh, groups in Yorkshire, and um, and I think when I started this job five years ago, a big part of my job was to go in to help these communities, to meet people, to help them either set up their groups or keep momentum going. Yeah. That's so different now. These groups are so mature, so well-connected. They're honestly the most inspiring sort of groups that I've worked with and maybe ever. Um, so their tactics are different. It's been a really good learning process for friends of the earth to see if you work in communities you have to go in where they are every community is going to be different your approach has to be different for that but those communities they network each other um they they're like they're all volunteers of course they're people that uh, a lot of them have never campaigned on anything in their lives and they've sort of seen fracking the people i speak to they're like what on earth is this they started coffee mornings with each other and They've grown into just an amazingly networked group of people who not just oppose fracking now but stand up for climate justice are saying, if we don't accept fracking here, then how on earth can we accept energy from uh, communities who've been exploited in Latin America or anywhere else in the world? So I think they've not just grown to a connected group of people but they've grown to like be sort of the benchmark of the UK's climate justice movement, I think.
1: So were they, like, when you say they're on the front line, are they actually protesting at the sites? Like, what what did that look like?
2: So, yeah, I mean, eventually the, the site I've been most involved with is Preston Road in Lancashire, the one I mentioned with these earthquakes. Now, believe it or not, for 1,090 days, people were at that site, the front row. Um, I mean,
1: that's non-stop, incredible.
0: Non-stop.
2: They stopped last week because wow. the company that's pulled mad. out. Well, um, not pulled out, but they started to dismantle Was that like
0: three years? Yeah, I'm like... That's
1: do what, what? Like, <laughs> three, Christmas Day, they
2: Every day, I mean, there was a like a gate camp there. The, these amazing dedicated people that just sort of measured every lorry movement, everything went in and out. And I just want to know the weather in lancashire is not always nice
0: i can, yeah, I can imagine <laughs> i can imagine Ah, that's bleak that's, that's incredible it, um, okay so a thousand over a thousand days i feel like you to keep going you must get creative with the tactics and energy is there any kind of funny stories or do you think what are the different types of roles um, that you saw in the camp as well
2: i mean you wouldn't believe the diversity of people and tactics at that site, at this Preston U road site over for the past sort of three years almost um there's people there that, you know, they go and document stuff with photographs or they take videos. Uh, there's people that have been doing lock-ons.
1: What? Hang on, what's a lock-on?
2: So lock-ons when people like physically use their body to stop um, entry f- into the site for vehicles. So that's sort of, there's a big spectrum of tactics, but you know what, this is a movement where if you want to take part, there's a space for you. If that's making teas and coffees for people, if that's welfare support, um, if that's sort of, just sort of sharing the stories if it's just coming down uh, we've had people from sort of all ages at that site and I, I said it's mainly been women which is true um but it's been a real diversity there and then inspired by the suffragettes um every wednesday um the sort of blackpool nana so it's a very famous face of anti-fracking movement uh, they started to march down to the site all dressed in white um and bringing a sort of bit of calm to the site. I mean, it can get a bit rowdy <laughs> at times. So they've brought their knitting, as I said, they brought their samba. Um, we've had visitors from all around the world at that site to make those international links from Argentina, Australia, North America. Um, so there's a huge diversity, and all that's really important to keep spirits up. Um, and there's also, I think, at the fracking companies found it difficult because they thought after a few months especially in this weather the protesters will move on to something else but they showed you know the police they showed the fracking company we're here for the long run we're going to stay and whether it's baking cakes whether it's putting herself in the front line um, or just sort of being there to witness something. We're going to be there and they were. So
1: what what was the police reaction to coming across? As you said, it was a women-led movement and the nanas from Blackpool. Like, mm-hmm. How did they react to coming across a load of older ladies knitting?
2: Like- <laughs> well, that's a good point. I think when it comes to situations like this, when it's in the climate movement or almost any movement... They always want to portray it's as like bad protesters fighting police and then you sort of lose focus of actually there's a fracking company here contributing to a climate crisis. So I was so impressed by the way these people kept the focus on fracking, the way that they brought a dignity to things, the way that the and really hostile environment from what I've seen up against the police force, they were knitting, they were putting on a good face, they were sort of... You know, putting their stand and saying, We've got a right to be here. Um, And they're the ones that are being the right side of history. So they did bring a creativity, they did bring uh, passion and noise and sort of made that space as nice as it could be. Uh, And trust me, it didn't always feel like it was nice when it was like a a tough, tough times at that roadside. But those people's spirits were always up. um, And yeah, they were just a wonderful bunch of people. And they've done it.
1: I mean, and going up once a week for the last three years, you must have formed some pretty incredible friendships like Mm. would you go around to people's houses would there be pub dinners like what how did you keep your spirits up after the rainy days
2: they've just been the nicest people so obviously work for friends of the earth and um you know if an NGO has gone to communities they've got no right to demand trust from people you have to earn that and build that I really think we have done that and those people I, I still speak to them every day um I sort of feel like I've spoken to them every day in the past sort of Four years now, and yeah. uh, when you go up, you know they'll invite you to the house to make you dinner. The, they're just the most personable, honest people. I've been so pleased to work with them, so pleased to see them win. Um, and got I don't know how many n- nights we've had in the pub for a frac free. Um, <laughs> <laughs> or whatever.
1: So when that when that news first came in about the moratorium, did you were you straight up to press a new road? What was the path like? give me a train to you get work? now? Yeah, exactly.
2: <laughs> Do you know what? Like for the whole year, I've done this job. I raised with other people. Said, "Look, there's going to be one day, uh, at the end of October, where I'm going to be off and not really contactable." (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'll let you guess what day the news came. So I was up from my. I was. I'm obviously from Glasgow, so I was up. My uh, we had a family party for my dad's birthday um, at the start of November. So I was up there, but I got heads up the day before there was going to be an announcement. So I was working. But it was nice because I was with my all my family when it was announced and. I phoned a few of the. I mean, as I says, these people we've worked with up north are just they're friends. Now they're not people in the oh, yeah, fighting yeah, for yeah. and they're friends that you love and care about. So I phoned a few of them. I said, "Have you heard the news?" They said, "What? What news?" So I'm like, <laughs> "So I told them." You broke the news. Yeah, too then. On the phone. honestly, they were. I thought the line had disconnected because there was just silence, like stunned silence, and I could tell people were welling up. I was welling up. So one of them was actually on the phone to me when I got the email through. It was like an embargoed press release and uh, I couldn't even read it. My voice started to say, I'm not the most emotional person, but I couldn't finish the sentences like the government have announced.
0: Oh, <laughs> so, man. I mean, that was I a special day. I would to hear a recording of oh, that phone call. I do also feel like a moratorium is the, heart the worst word to say when you feel like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a ban. Can, I, can we just get a ban? <laughs> So outside of the communities who are on the front line, what types of support have you seen from kind of the wider climate movement?
2: I mean, I think for this fight against fracking, everyone's had the role to play, whether it's been in a community uh, or supporting from afar. And even just looking at Friends of their supporters, you know, all the petitions that we've had that have put pressure on at the right moments. Um, every donation that someone's made, that's allowed uh, us to sort of be in Lancashire and take the fight on uh, from our legal team, making interventions at the right time. Everything's been important. And some of the things that maybe wouldn't strike you has been the most important of things. I've been up in Lancashire when we've asked our supporters to send solidarity messages in. We've printed them off, taken them to the site, and I've seen how moved people have been uh, by what it means to say, oh, my goodness, these people, uh, not, not even in our community, have never visited or sending us good wishes. And I've certainly felt a boost from that, the local community they've needed a boost at times and I think they've got it. So it's whatever you can do to help. I, I think we're like a generous movement and it, we know that people have got different time commitments, financial commitments and just whatever you can do it does make a difference and it does help. So that's happened within the UK but also internationally and vice versa. These communities want to support uh, people around the world who are fighting fossil fuel extraction. So just everything, you know? like honestly, whatever people are able to do makes a difference.
1: So... What is next for the fracking team then? What does the win mean for the wider climate movement and how can people get involved now?
2: Um, Well, Friends of the Earth, we're going to be focusing on our climate action groups, uh, which are encouraging communities to take action wherever they are on whatever they want relating to climate change. So that's going to be our big focus moving forward. And we've obviously got a climate ambition campaign, which is really looking to equip people to take the fight to the government and a local level. Um, So that's what's next for Friends of the Earth. Um, I mean, as for the movement, we can achieve whatever we want if we get our act together it's been such a big year for the climate movement so that's onwards and upwards isn't it
1: yeah I guess the strikes have really taken over this year as well it's a lot more in the public eye it just feels rejuvenated it feels
0: replenished and a sense of energy and enthusiasm that I feel like has been missing for a few years Um, and I hope that will propel us to the really urgent action we need to see Speaking of twenty twenty resolutions, it'd be good to hear from you guys. I guess if you've if you've learnt any lessons from the fracking movement and how that will shape your plans for twenty twenty.
1: Um Yeah, I guess it's taking this beyond a day job and bringing it into my local community. Um, It is incredibly heartwarming. For those who are listening up in the Friends of the Earth office, we've got loads of testimonies from people who've fought fracking on the front lines. And just reading those, it sort of makes you want to have that pride in your own community and bring that forward. So I'm going to try and be a lot more proactive in 2020. Yes, climate action groups. Yay.
2: (laughs) There's so many things that I've learned over the past few years and the past year Um, and I guess the one thing I'm going to try to Keep in mind is that you can really support people f- so that they can give them a platform rather than trying to put myself on a platform or myself centre stage. I think it's about equipping other people because they're usually a lot more amazing. <laughs> <laughs> and they can do this stuff. No, don't do yourself and, um, down. Resolutions, do you know what? I really love the people I've worked with in, this, in these communities. I want to stay in touch with them. I want to see what they do next. Um, and I just want to maintain that contact because uh, I think that will make me stronger and I just really felt lucky to have worked with them.
0: No, you're right, Jamie. I think one lesson that I'm taking away from this, certainly as someone who does as a day job, day in, day out, and uh, you know, certainly with kind of the political climate that we're in, um, it's it's easy to get down. It's easy to feel like we're not winning the fights. But when you, like you said, you smile, we're gonna win on that placard. Even even the kind of the, the kind of the fight against fracking shows that kind of community power. Um, sustained effort for the right things for climate justice does win and it is people power and and the strength of our movement that achieves the changes we want to see. So I'm going to take that optimism and use it kind of as my 2020 uh, new year's resolution to have that kind of optimism and hope to go forward and our movements and and we can do it. Next year is a big year for climate Um, and as we go into those international talks as we have more events and more rallies we're going to tell the government loud and clear we want climate justice front and centre.
1: Dude, a very optimistic speech there for the end. (laughs) Jamie's (laughs) inspiring me. Yeah, it is pretty inspiring. Okay, so I think
0: that's the end of our last podcast for 2019. Thank you so much, Fran and Jamie. Thank you, Mona. Thank you, and hope
2: everyone has a nice uh, new year.
0: Happy New Year. Happy holidays. So that's it from us. And like Jamie said, if you want to get involved, you can head to our website, friendsoftheearth.uk and find out how you can do more. From signing a petition to joining a climate action group, there's lots to do. That's it from us. We'll see you in 2020.